How's it flowing, y'all? Welcome back to the Opportunity on the Mic podcast, a show where we connect and amplify the voices in our communities who have taken the call to rise to the opportunity. I am your co-host, Calvin Nunez, along with my co-host, director of the Opportunity Program here at Hamilton College, Aaron Ray. Hello. Hello, hello. And y'all know how we have to start these things. We got to kick them off with some wisdom from our boy Aaron Ray. I know you sound like an evil warlock saying that. Uh, The inspirational quote today comes from Eleanor C. Wood, and it goes as follows. Living is the art of getting used to what we didn't expect. Mic drop. That is so true. It's deep. And that's very deep. Literally putting that on a shirt. <laughs> no, yeah, we were joking. Put that on in OP summer training. <laughs> yes, literally going in the student handbook. <laughs> no, for real. Um, but yeah, that, that's that's such a great way to start the podcast because it really is about adjusting to to what's happening. You can have a pr- really pretty day. You can have beautiful things set up. Um, and as long as you kind of manage the day and don't have like a strict grade for what you do, then I think I think you're still gonna come out with a successful day. Yeah, right? something I've learned in my. 30 some odd years of life is that no matter how much planning you do, things aren't going to go the way you envision. And so the sooner you accept that, the better your day is going to be. Mm-hmm. The, the more at peace. More at peace, yes. <laughs> you shall be. Especially when you have churin. I tenemos dos. There's two, yeah. I hear you, I hear you. So moving on now to our check-in. Y'all know we got to. You know, let the people know how we doing, how we feeling, what captivated us. As I mentioned um, in previous episodes, we, we record these now that we're in our normal semester flow. Um, we're recording these on Mondays. Um, and that's, you're probably going to get a lot of NFL reactionary takes from me. And that's, that's what you're going to get today. I am definitely a big sports person. Um, and I, for the first time, watched NFL Red Zone yesterday. I actually watched it legally. and <laughs> And... Yeah, it's hard. There is adrenaline coursing through your veins at 1 p.m. Why? They have eight different NFL games going back and back. We talked about Coco Melon. That was me. NFL Red Zone is my Coco Melon. My my brain was just everywhere. And it was it was really fun, but also not conducive to maybe productivity. But I was also sick. So I gave myself that little rest day. NFL Red Zone. NFL Red Zone is, is, is my love right now. I'm very happy. The Giants won. So um, <laughs> after six straight quarters of not scoring, not doing what we're paid millions of dollars to do, uh, the Giants pulled off a ridiculous comeback hey, over the Arizona Cardinals, goodness. which was fantastic to see. Um, my my wife and daughters were asleep during the first half, and then they woke up, and immediately we started scoring. And I was like, no one <laughs> nap <laughs> again. You stay where you are. Don't chase Don't it. move. Don't I, I am very superstitious when it comes to sports. So, like, if, if I'm doing something or wearing something when we do well, that is what I'm going to be doing. No, and if real. I'm doing something and we're doing terrible, I am not doing that. And I have this really nice giant shirt, long sleeve with a hood. Like, love it. It's supposedly what they wear on the sideline. <laughs> I wore it for the first game, and we're not going to recap what happened, but <laughs> I came real close to burning it. And I wore it again. <laughs> I, I, I wore it again. I'm like, I'm Aaron, you're too old to be superstitious. And then the first half happened, and I was like, <laughs> honey, where's the lighter? <laughs> 
and then I, we just came out in the second half and handled business. So yeah. that that was that was great. So yes, getting the Giants victory was great. Also, shout out to the New York Liberty, yep, yep. Uh, who are doing big things. I'm gonna see the Aces in the finals. I'm calling it, but it's it's really nice. great to see how that WNBA has taken off this season. And it's been really exciting to watch. And then finally, uh, on a more personal note. Shout out to one of my childhood best friends, Michelle Johnson, who is currently in a hospital right now. Why? Because she is being induced. She was induced on schedule about 43 minutes ago. Um, and we're all excited to uh, see the arrival of baby Sutton um, in the next few hours or so. So shout out to Michelle and baby Sutton. Will now have to be a guest on our podcast. Someday, oh, oh, absolutely, you know, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we're, we're, shouted out on her birthday. Happy birthday, <laughs> happy Sutton. birthday, happy birthday. That, that's beautiful. That's lovely. Um, great vibes to start. Yeah, to start this episode. And and I I think as y'all were here, we have a wonderful guest coming on. It's gonna be very, very, very fantastic vibes as well. Um, going forward. So I think honestly, without further ado, let's freestyle today. We have a lovable, bright spirit joining us. A sophomore coming from Houston, Texas. Norma Callejas, grab the mic. Literally grab it. Grab grab the mic. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome, welcome to Opportunity of the Mic. We're so happy to have you. How you doing? I feel good. I it's a little early in the morning for me, but I'm I'm surviving. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Early bird gets the worm. And and I I think I think that we're out here on our business, on on getting Mm. getting the worm. Um but yeah, so we're just, of course, like I said, very happy to have you on. Um, and and I, I've heard from you a little bit that you, that you listen to the show sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I yeah. do be listening. You do be listening? <laughs> I do be listening mm-hmm. on, mm-hmm. My, on my morning walks. Oh, oh, that's great to hear. <laughs> that's great to hear. Can I ask you a, a very mini preview interview question then? Sure. Rate us. Oh. <laughs> oh. Well, well then. <laughs> get into the bag. Well, not too long, but get, get into the bag. Cook, I, up, cook up real quick, Norma. <laughs> I, I love it when I hear you laugh, Kelvin. Oh, that you. that, that makes my day. Or um, whenever you like instigate and then Aaron's just like, <laughs> you know, that, that's very funny. Yeah. <laughs> At least to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We appreciate you. That's real. That's, so that's, so, that's so I'd say real. 11 out of 10. Hey, hey, let's give it up for us. All right, but we're not the topic of today. We want to talk about you. So first question for you today. Um, could you give us a rundown of your involvements on campus and how those directions are shaping you? Mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'm e-board of four clubs oh. this, this semester. Four? Oh. Yes. <laughs> four? Four. Four. <laughs> I am the treasurer of Tropsoul, which is the Latin dance club at Hamilton. I am also the treasurer for the anime club. And I also, I'm the archiver for Culture Magazine. Mm-hmm. And I am the events coordinator for La Vanguardia. I, th- I think that all deserves definitely a little. <laughs> how, how, how's the schedule been for you? What's been? Honestly, not that crazy. Wow. <laughs> it's, it's literally less like time than what i did my freshman fall it's like i think for me it's less time consuming <laughs> that makes sense your freshman fall is just about acclimating to campus yeah, and, yeah. and finding your way so i mean 
Yeah. And then I think for me, it's also because because I love doing those clubs, it doesn't right. feel like uh, I'm wasting my time. Mm. And I'm also always on top of my homework. I, I hate snaps, having homework snaps. the day before. <laughs> so I always do it like two, three days before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I'm always like on top of everything. Mm-hmm. And, and I do want to mention too, office hours. I know you be talking about it. I know you be going to it. We can't do an episode without <laughs> mentioning office hours. Very important. Yeah, <laughs> I I love office hours because mm-hmm. I love talking to my professors, um, especially my music professors, because I just get to yep. nerd about stuff <laughs> with them for like an hour. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I definitely use office hours. And if I don't use office hours, it's not because I don't need office hours. It's just like either I don't have the time or it's like I understand the topic well enough or I've asked the, the professor mm-hmm. like literally right after class. <laughs> so mm-hmm. <laughs> that's like maybe one of the reasons why I might not use office hours. Mm-hmm. But other than that, you you always be seeing me in one of their offices. <laughs> <laughs> no, for sure. And that, and that open communication that you're having and that relationship you're building, it's always worth it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then I, I just wanted to follow up with your involvements on campus with what you, you know, you've been talking to me a little about it. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what's going on with your major? Because I've heard some rumblings, you know, Okay, because I was there when I heard them. Um, <laughs> could you clue the people in on what's going on and how or why you're able to go in that direction? Mm-hmm. So last year, I changed my like the what I wanted to do for a major mm-hmm. a lot, but it like I always knew I wanted music in it. Um, and then I remember you said something about interdisciplinary concentration, and I was like, that sounds cool. I want to try it, and so. But then I got really invested in the idea. <laughs> and so now not if I don't get the interdisciplinary concentration, I will literally cry and probably have a tantrum. <laughs> but um, for me, I want to do my interdisciplinary concentration with music, um, Hispanic studies and Japanese to make ethnomusicology and musicology. So basically what I want to do is like explore the music of other cultures and how that differs from like American music culture. Um, I think that's really cool. And I just love listening to other music from other cultures mm-hmm. and also playing the instruments from other cultures. Like, as you've known, Caribbean music. <laughs> yep, first yep. one, always with my hand up when she brings out those <laughs> instruments. So <laughs> um, I'm always like really excited just to explore other people's like culture and music and how they perceive music in their culture. And I think it's really beautiful about music outside like america where music is integrated into their life because i feel like that's what music is for me like if i don't have music integrated into my life it feels kind of weird like am i really living life Mm -hmm. (laughs) so kind of thing um that that's what i want to do for my major and i so far i've gotten two department chairs to sign it Let's go. That's good. And I'm so happy. I literally cried happy tears. (laughs) Like when I came out of Professor Buckman's office, Mm. it was so hard not to like jump in the air and go like, yes. (laughs) (laughs) And then like for my Japanese one, I literally got out of her office and did that. I'm pretty (laughs) sure she heard me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And now I'm just waiting to meet with the Hispanic department's chair to get that signed. And hopefully when this airs. It's already signed. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, I'm, I'm just, I'm very excited for you because I do think you have a great idea, um, and like a plausible plan to, to get it done, um, and, and it's just really cool to see, like, people going outside of the structure 
because there's a lot of cool things that, you know, that we do want to do. And then when you realize like your potential and what specifically you want to get at, and then you make it happen, you set your own path for yourself. You know, that's what, that's what Robert Frost was trying to teach us the, the path less traveled. Look at you doing it. So I don't know. I, I wanted to highlight it, you know, <laughs> really, really awesome stuff happening. Um, another person going off the unbeaten path. Mm-hmm. <laughs> of course, of course. And now if we take it back to where it all started. Yeah. So Norma, Talk to us about what your interests were as a child and what opportunities surrounded you at the time to support those interests. Mm-hmm. Mm. When I was a child, I I came from a pretty rough background, so I didn't grow up with a lot of resources. Um, even like school-wise, like elementary, I switched like four times elementary schools for different reasons. And so I didn't have a lot of resource, resources per se, but... My interest for music came fourth grade. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a really weird school because, like, if you're in the top class, you got to do band, and I was in the top class, so <laughs> I got to do band. That's, that's a crazy structure. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, everybody else is like, what, what are they doing? Yeah. Nothing. <laughs> and so I went to band, and I remember the band teacher just looked at me. He's like, just choose an instrument. And I was like, say less. <laughs> and so I remember the first thing I grabbed was the flute because mm. I had a I had a competition with my older brother. It was one sided from me. Um, <laughs> from but <laughs> just you fighting yeah, he played the flute in middle like school. And so I was mm. like, I'm gonna play the flute and I'm gonna be better than him. And I was I played it longer than him. Mm-hmm. So I beat him in that. But that was it. The brains, <laughs> the brains, I almost had it, but it wasn't quite there yet. But that's my introduction to music mm-hmm. um i had other small interests like um drawing which my older brother also did um <laughs> <laughs> starting to see a pattern yeah <laughs> um i liked reading books a lot that mm. i hated reading books when i was a kid though how come i don't know it's really weird i just remembered that my mom told my older brother she's the teacher is saying that she doesn't want to read this book and she hates reading I need you to put her on reading. This man gave me Aragon, this thick <laughs> book <laughs> to read. <laughs> and I, I, I it's a good book though. But I looked at him and I was like, you is crazy <laughs> if you think my seven-year-old is gonna read this. And uh-huh. he forced me to read it. And I remember reading the first page and I was like, I was like, okay, this is getting somewhere. <laughs> and I kept reading it. And after every like chapter, he would quiz me. Like, he would just ask me random questions. Pop quiz. No, for real. <laughs> happened on page seven. No. What quote was in the middle of the page? No, honestly. And I was like, I was like, okay. And then I liked Aragon, but I um, didn't want to continue the series. <laughs> and so, and so I remembered, um, he gave me Percy Jackson next. Um, I've heard good and, things. And then when I read that, I was obsessed. Mm-hmm. Obsessed. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! I went all I I read every book, and then when new the newer books came out, um, with Rick Riordan and like his other series, I read those too. <laughs> <laughs> and then after that, I was like obsessed with books. Um, mm-hmm. and then I remember one time during the summer, he, he was in high school at the time, and he brought like this big box of books. I read all of those books that entire summer, and I one of the books that came to mind was it was a book about a horse. But it wasn't Black Beauty. It was another one. And I remember I really liked that book because it showed me independence mm-hmm. in a world where I didn't have a lot of that. 
Mm. Um, and not only because like I was a kid and I lived under my parents' roof, but just like the fact that I didn't have enough independence or enough like I guess my own way of expressing myself without being judged in a sense because of the way I grew up. And so when I went to middle school is when I started to have a little bit more resources as a kid. Like I, they started noticing how smart I was and they put me in like the really like advanced classes. Like I took algebra one, seventh grade. Mm. And so mm. um, they started noticing like I was a bright child. Yeah, I, I was going to say, why is the first instinct for school is when someone's like, they think they're smart, put them in higher math. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, like, it's I did like, not do good. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know why that's the case. I don't know if that's still the case. Aaron, was that the case? I mean, that's a whole other episode that we could record. <laughs> but a lot of times it, it comes down to resources and, mm. and what they have resources for, for mm. gifted and talented students is advanced math. Mm-hmm. Gotcha, gotcha. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I loved math. I loved mm. math a lot. Like math was my thing. Like math in the morning. Ooh, yes. <laughs> yes. Put me on that. Um, <laughs> and I, um, I really liked that. Um, and I was also in band and I got first chair in middle school. I was really proud that's, of that. That's, that's good. I was man. always in competition with second chair though. Me and him. Mm. robbery. Uh, there was one time he got first chair, and I was like, <laughs> "Only for today." <laughs> and I beat him. <laughs> you said, I, "Let me spin the block." I'll be back. No, like I remember telling my band teacher, "I was like, I wanna, I wanna get that first chair." And so he gave us a passage from the new music, yeah. and I played it right, and he played one wrong note, and I was like, "Give me my chair, <laughs> give me my chair." <laughs> and so, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, I think. As a kid, I had a, like, after, after elementary, um, when I was in middle school and high school, I had more um, academic opportunities, um, especially with music. And um, I also did name that book, because, again, I, start, I was a book nerd after Percy <laughs> Jackson. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you, Percy Jackson. <laughs> and I think the person who supported me the most through all of that was my mom. And it will always be my mom. Although there were times where I, when I told her that I wanted to be a musician, she'll look at me. She's like, are you going to make money with that? And I'm like, I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> and then Classic when she, she yeah. <laughs> see it, yeah. and when she started to see my vision, she like became more open to me studying outside and everything. And then she forced my siblings to play an instrument <laughs> because she was like, if your sister's playing an instrument, you got to play an instrument. And she got into college while playing the instrument so (laughs) So, my my siblings kind of blame me for for their musical endeavors now but (laughs) one 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 day they'll thank you or not but (laughs) hopefully one day they'll thank you yeah Yeah. but my my biggest support was my mom and my Mm. older brother Mm. my older brother although he was harsh on me sometimes academic wise um it was always for the best of me Mm. um like they they for my mom has this saying where she's like, es para tu bien, which basically yes, means it's yeah. like, it's for your own well-being. Mm-hmm. And she isn't wrong. <laughs> um, I'm going places um, and I'm growing while doing it. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate that a lot. Even um, although my background was a little harsher than some people or less harsher than other people, um, I still got to where I am today because of her and my older brother. Of course, yeah. You rose up despite 
you know, your surroundings. Mm-hmm. And, and you did did what you could. And, and, and look at us now having a conversation at Hamilton College. Right. That's awesome. <laughs> I, I didn't want to touch on a little bit because I, I do know that this program holds a special place in your heart. Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't want to hear about what, what it did for you. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk to me a little bit about Emerge um, mm-hmm. and what Emerge helped you during high school? Was it? Yeah, it was high school. Mm-hmm. So I I applied for Emerge my sophomore year of high school. Mm-hmm. Like that's when the applications open. And I remembered I didn't know about Emerge until one of my upperclassmen in the band told me I should apply because she was like, I think you'd be a great fit for this program. And I was like, say less. <laughs> no, like literally any anyone who came up with me with opportunities, I'd be like, say less. I'm trying to get out of here. <laughs> and so I remember applying and um, I would always go to her and I'd always go to one of my upperclassmen in the guitar program because he was also in the program mm-hmm. to like read my essays, read my application. And at the time, I was very closed off about talking about my personal life because I, I, I knew my story was a hard story to hear sometimes. Mm-hmm. And it was a hard story for me to tell. And I remember um, I was very vague in my application. Like I, I would say certain things, but I wouldn't say everything. And I remember um, my upperclassman for my guitar class, his name was David. Um, he, he, I remember he looked at me and he was like, tell your story don't be afraid to tell your story they need to know what's going on so that they can help you and i was like okay and so i remember writing writing more than i usually would tell people about my life and there were some times where i would cry when i was writing it because it is hard for me to talk about it or at least at the time it was hard for me to talk about it and when i sent my application i got in um, Let's go. As you see, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm here. So I got in. Um, and I remember when I met uh, Miss Yansa, mm. um, she was the director. I remember I met her during one of the big meetings because my mom was like, um, she was trying to figure out. Because um, we had they had this like summer trip. Um uh, to go like to other colleges outside of the state and my mom was like iffy about that because she's like well she's never been out of state she's never been on a plane mm. well who's gonna be there for her and then at the time I was like a freshly diagnosed like diabetic type one mm. so she was very worried and um I remember meeting Miss Yansa and she looked at me when I and I told her my name she's like oh you're Norma and I was like, I read your application. And I was like, ha, ha, ha. you read my application. <laughs> and, I read, and I was like, that's how you know me. <laughs> yeah. And like, then, um, like, as I was introducing myself to like most of the Emerge team um, that day, like they would always be like, oh my God, Norma. And I'm like, I don't know you, but you know me. <laughs> okay. The application made us proud. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so it, it was funny how they knew me by what I said in the in my application but it wasn't like a bad thing it was more like they respected me for it mm-hmm. and they've seen where my growth and how I was trying to pursue from that and um after I was in the program and I'm still in the program I'm just not like um like an emerged student I'm an emerged scholar now so um I got to meet Miss Yansa and then my sophomore year, I had Mr. Moon as my oh, <laughs> as my emerge mentor. Um, I forgot the specific name that they have for them, but um, he was my mentor. 
And I remember I was really hard on myself um, sophomore year, junior year. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was my mentor at the time. And I remember one time we were practicing for like interviews and he told me, he's like, tell me about yourself. And I remember blinking out. I was like, well, and I like started like rum- like mumbling and like telling him stuff. And then at the end, I was like, I'm really not that interesting. And he got really like upset with me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he was like, you need to understand that there's so much to you. And you really are a great person. And you need to be proud of what you've accomplished. Like you can't keep telling yourself that you're not interesting when that's not true. And um, that was one of like my eye openers. <laughs> I, I, tell, I, I love programs like that, that, that help underserved communities, underserved students like get to college and also prepare, whether through interviews, mm-hmm. um, through like summer programs that I did. Because I was also in a similar program from, from you. You had emerged mm-hmm. in Houston. And for me, I had Philadelphia Futures, now Heights Philadelphia um, in Philly. And, and that mentorship is just so, it's so invaluable because mm-hmm. they're able to let you know that you have your story. Um, you're fascinating and that you deserve to tell it. You deserve to, to spread it. <laughs> you deserve to go to college, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah, I'm, I'm just really happy that we were able to touch on it because uh, it always makes me reflect on my times too um, being in, in Philly Futures. And I'm sure that, you know, we, we talked to a lot of people actually. There's a lot of programs mm. like that that do, that do great work yeah. um, in a lot of different places as well. So Norma, what moment would you consider the pivot in your life? A moment or period that set you on your current trajectory at Hamilton? Ooh, that's a good question. Because I feel like I've had a lot of pivots in my life. Mm-hmm. It'd be like that. Specifically <laughs> this summer. <laughs> the pivot was crazy. But um, I think the one that set me to Hamilton was definitely Mr. Moon. Um, I remember when I had him for my mentor, I was really like stuck on staying in Texas because in my mind, it was like, that's what my mom wants. Then I should do that. Um, And I remember he told me that this is the one decision I get to make. And it's the decision that I will either regret or I would would, um, appreciate the rest of my life. And this was another time he got upset at me. <laughs> and I remember at this time, at, at that time, I cried because I knew he was right. Um, but I was going through so much and I was thinking of others, but not thinking of me first. Um, but when he said that, it like another eye opener where I was like, because I knew I didn't want to stay in Texas. I knew that the colleges in Texas weren't the colleges for me, at least. Mm-hmm. And so I started going um, on these um, virtual information sessions because COVID happened. <laughs> so we, I couldn't do my trip to like other places like we are usually supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And I remember literally the first college that I went on a virtual interview was Hamilton College. And I don't remember if, if, if it was Brenda talking or not, but it felt like it was Brenda talking in that virtual interview. And I remember I felt like this like leap of joy inside of me when they started talking about Hamilton. And, and I realized that Hamilton had like Japanese and music. And that was mm-hmm. like one of my main things that I wanted it to have. And 
I was so happy for some reason. Like if I felt so happy by the end of that interview, by that not interview, but the session. Yeah. And I was like, this is the one. This is the one. <laughs> and at the time I had um another college as like my top one. Um, but then the interview happened, the interview phase happened, and then I was like, We're not the one. <laughs> <laughs> we are not compatible. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, and then I remember the Hamilton College interview, I was like, it was so like nice. It was like that yeah. my the person who was interviewing me, she was a senior at the time. And she was so sweet and I can I still have uh I'm still connected with her. Um she literally gave me a fifty dollar gift card when I came here and she was like, Please buy it for like whatever you need and I was like, You are the sweetest. That's so nice. Yeah. <laughs> and I was I was so happy. And I remember when I first came to Hamilton because for the OP summer program. I remember um, I had like a little bit of like homesickness because I remember I was in the van and we were driving up here and I smelled the grass and it smelled like freshly cut grass. And it reminded me of my childhood and I almost started crying in the van. Um, but then when we got here and I saw like eels and how big it was, I was like, whoa, <laughs> whoa. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And then when we started walking around campus, I was like, this campus is huge. <laughs> but then I think once after the summer program ended, I was like, okay, it's, it's not that bad. It's big, but like, I know where everything is. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's definitely one of the pluses of that summer program, walking around, mm -hmm. learning what it is. And then you, you don't have to guesstimate how long it's going to take to walk. Oh, you know, yeah. If you wake up late one morning, <laughs> you got to go from a major keen to science center. You don't got to guesstimate, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know no. what I mean? Yeah, no, I, mm -hmm. I knew. Like, some people, some people, like, we we're like, oh, I got here in eight minutes. And I was like, you got here in eight minutes? Me and my short legs got here in 10, 20 minutes. <laughs> oh, yeah, you I have to. Like, what's it called? There's a word. You have to compensate. Yeah. It, you know? Yeah. Oh, no, like, no. I started using my marching band skills. That's how bad it was. Oh, yeah. It's, y'all, some, some, someone else, someone won't know. It is pretty hilly over here. Yeah. What we are on a hill. <laughs> no, but if I know it's something, like, really important, like, Earlier this semester, like I overslept because I took a fat nap and um, and I was late to practice and um I I was I was in Bundy and so I literally what was the word that I used uh, I forgot the word that I used but I I like I like ran <laughs> I ran to the fitness center because I needed to be there for practice because I was in the e board oh, and and I was like. <laughs> we gotta go and i got i literally got there in seven minutes <laughs> wow, wow my my thighs were crying but <laughs> i got there but you got there but you got, uh, just to just to recap this answer i want to give a huge shout out to mr moon because going back to what you were saying about how you kind of feeling caught between what you wanted to do and what you felt mm -hmm. obliged to do mm -hmm. staying home close to your family that's the issue i feel like a lot of immigrants a lot of immigrant students feel. Mm -hmm. And that, that's something that I also felt too. Like your family will put pressure on you. Like, hey, we would love to have you close. And that's just, you know, that's their mindset, worrying about you in this mm -hmm. really big, really big country. Um, and then you having to, you know, recognize that sometimes what's best for your growth might not feel the most comfortable in the moment. Um, but having that push, remember that this is our life, even though our parents have sacrificed so much for us and we've seen them labor and we see them the wear and tear they have. It's still our life, and we will have the chance to make those decisions with the mentors that we were able to get and emerge and fill those futures, right? And make sure we pave like our, our own way. And we continue to pave our own way here. Mm -hmm.
which is which is really cool for us. Fist bump. Um, let's see. Moving on to our next question. Um, how do you protect your Latina identity and nurture it here at Hamilton? Mm, yeah. I know for me last year was really hard for me. Um, as a Latina to be in a predominantly white school. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I I've always felt comfortable speaking Spanish with people I knew who were Latinos. Um, and so when I came here, when I saw someone else who was Latino, I would always talk Spanish to them. I would I would not talk English unless I really needed to, <laughs> but I would always talk Spanish to them. But I think once the year started, um, it was a little harder to do that just because like literally most of the day I was talking English. Yeah. Um, and it got harder because once I went back home, I like I wanted to talk Spanish and then it felt like it got stuck in my throat and I couldn't get it out. And then once I was home for a little while more, I, I was able to talk Spanish more and more comfortably. And then it felt good to like remember that I do know how to speak Spanish. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I get scared while I'm here that when I talk Spanish, it's not Spanish. It's something else. Um, I, I feel that so often too. And you know, exactly what you said is, is literally what I felt my first fall semester. Mm-hmm. It's, it's hard sometimes. Yeah. And so I think now I've learned to like, I've learned to know what helps me feel like I'm still Latina and that I do know Spanish. And um, I, I listen to a lot of Spanish music. Like a lot of Spanish music, mm-hmm. specifically oldie, oldie Spanish music. Mm-hmm. Like if you if you come by my room and you hear salsa or bachata playing, <laughs> that is me. I am playing that, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I am dancing in my room, probably singing Someone to it. Someone needs to do it on campus. <laughs> yeah. We're happy to have you doing it. <laughs> no, li- <laughs> <We> honestly. <laughs> and um, like I joined Trapsol and mm. La Vanguardia too to like remind me that I am Latina no matter where I am and. I can talk Spanish and like um, I also talked to Professor Nieto in Spanish like because she told me she's like yeah so she told me she's like if you ever want to talk Spanish you can always talk Spanish to me and I always talk Spanish to her so like I'm using Spanish slowly and every day in my life Um, I also try to um, I'm taking a Hispanic studies class um, heritage bilingual speakers all Spanish in there yep and I love every second of it because it like reminds me I'm like I can be professional and talk Spanish, and I think that's why I struggle like maybe the first or two weeks because like when I'm talking English, I like kind of code switch and I go to like professional English when I'm talking to someone older than me. But um, and I wanted to do that in my Spanish class, like code switch to like professional Spanish. But then I realized I don't know professional Spanish. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always talked Spanish the way I talked Spanish when I was growing up. And so it took me a really like a, a good week and or two to like really figure out that my Spanish is good enough and it's respectful enough. So yeah. um, and when I realized that I started talking Spanish more comfortably and I would get go inside the class and I wouldn't feel anxious anymore. Like, I would realize, like, these people are struggling um, with their Spanish just as I am. Absolutely, yeah. Like, they are the same. Yeah. We are one and the same. There's nothing to worry about. Yeah, and then you'd say, like, the class the class became a safe space, right? Yeah. Exactly, yeah. So, for, like, I really wanted to ask you this question, um, just so we can, you know, give our listeners an idea of what, what it is, right? Mm-hmm. Of having a Latina identity 
um, and protecting on campus. And I think you've, you've not only protected it, but like you, like you just let it flow out of you and you, and, and, you know, I also have so much fun when we get to speak Spanish together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when we make music in Spanish. Right? Yeah. Those things are really fun. But yeah, I think that's definitely just, it, it is a little hard to settle in when, um, you know, because like we are at a, pr- a primarily white institution. Um, but then when you do find those safe spaces, you do find like um, people around you who are speaking. And I, I think one of the things that's helped me so much with my Spanish is like you said, like getting in the classes here. We have amazing Hispanic studies professors. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're going to help you have that like home away from home environment. Mm-hmm. Um, and also you're going to work on that professional Spanish because I did not have no yeah. professional Spanish. <laughs> I, I kept saying through to the professor. <laughs> yeah. No, like you know? I, yeah. I had my Spanish is like because my mom, when I was growing up, she would tell me what were the right words to say. And so like for me, what comes more naturally is not tú, but usted. And when mm. I hear someone else saying tú, I look at them and I'm like, <laughs> like who said what? <laughs> to who? <laughs> and so, um, like, I have some professional Spanish, but like, I guess there, I don't have enough vocabulary Same. to like yeah. make it sound fancy. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, when we start repeating. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel you. I feel you. I mean, you just took me back to like seventh grade, and I was like, "Oh, ah, 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 I'm also the Vosotros. The Vosotros is crazy. The Vosotros is, is indeed crazy. See, um, <laughs> so moving along, I think it's time for rapid fire questions. Mm-hmm. I think it's time for rapid fire okay. questions. So, Norma, prepare yourself. Your first question is: What was your welcome to the league moment in college? Oh, that's a good one. I don't I remember. <laughs> um, yeah, I genuinely don't remember. Um, maybe something my older brother said. Um, well, he always says it, but I think when he left me, it was like, "Be a good egg." He always says that, mm-hmm. but in this one, it it felt like you're here. But now that you're here, be a good egg. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I think that was my welcome college <laughs> kind of thing gotcha gotcha um more diabolical if you could invent or combine anything into an instrument what would you create i got you i got you so it sounds like a heart but you play it like a flute what a floopy heart a floopy heart <laughs> a flarp a flarp it sounds so cute and the power the power that would give them yeah yeah, what what power would it give someone perfect pitch you could sell that i could you could sell that for a pretty penny (laughs) someone make it it. make it happen (laughs) hey hey, get the patent patent. flarp sounds like something you'd find in legend of zelda (laughs) no that is literally what i was thinking about (laughs) zelda (laughs) what level is your flarp on i have a level two flarp Um. Yeah. <laughs> <Moving> on again. <laughs> what What makes, in your opinion, what makes the opportunity program so special, and and what's been your favorite moment of being involved in the program? I think for me, what makes the opportunity program so special is the support that you get. At least for me, um, I love being able to just go into the office and then talk to literally anyone in there and just like sit down and be like, I got something to tell you. I got chisme. I got, <laughs> I got, got gossip. <laughs> problems. Please help me. Um, and I, I think that's, 
for me, that's the biggest thing. That's what makes it special. Because, again, I grew up with not a lot of support. At least um, from, like, the academic side sometimes. And sometimes, like, personal support. It wasn't always there. Um, So, like, having that support system felt really special for me. And just, like, getting to know 40 other people who had similar stories as mine and who also needed that support and appreciated it. All love, all heart. <laughs> and my favorite moment being involved? God. I think my favorite moments have always been, like, with Kelvin, Seb. Like, with either Our of duo. them. Your yeah, duo. like music theory, <laughs> music theory. Oh yeah, Aaron, we had a Norma had a class with me and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, was, it was it was tomfoolery. <laughs> it was tomfoolery. Like I'll be in the middle, and then Kelvin, Kelvin will look at me and then like ask like a simple question, and mm. I'll tell him, and he was like, okay, okay, and then Seb would like be like literally like looking at me. He's like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Seb would freak out, and then Seb would get like the higher grade, and Kelvin would be yeah. out here with like. Hey, hey, you got to hear me. Hey, no, I'm moving on. Furpa. I'm moving on. Let's not yeah. violate. Let's hey. not violate. Okay, next question. Next question. <laughs> what, which would be the nicest animal if they could talk? And why would it get better grades? No. <laughs> <laughs> Music theory wasn't for me. We Leave me you. alone. <laughs> um, okay. I feel like if this was like the meanest animal, I would be able to answer this much quicker, but nicest animal? Nicest is what spices it. That's true. I think for me, the nicest animal mm, would probably be a dog, but a very specific dog, like like golden retriever. <laughs> like I feel like Makes they sense. would, they would definitely say something very sweet. Like whenever you're feeling down, they're like, they like put their paw on you and they're like, "You're okay. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm here for you." Like that's what that's like real. Doug, Doug from up. <laughs> no thoughts. Owner, I'm here. Um, and then I would avoid deer. I feel deer. like I feel like deer be looking at you and they're judging you and they're like, "Did you see her hair?" That's that, that, that's the deer around here. Deer where I come from aren't like that, but the deer in Oneida County are disrespectful. Yo, I'll rude. literally be driving down the road. They'll be standing in the middle of the road and be like, "Try it." <laughs> Excuse me, you heard me. <laughs> you know, that's so tell me how that happened it's, this morning. It's like so yeah. real. Like so every real. like they, they I literally pay my taxes in New Hartford <laughs> to the deer in my neighborhood. <laughs> and then they poop on my lawn. Oh no. Oh, that's such a great question. <laughs> um now we want to give you a chance to shout out your favorite faculty members on campus. This one's hard because I feel like I have so many. Mm -hmm. um, air it out, air it out. But I think, um, like, the top of the list, um, my uh, Alex advisor, Noelle, I love her. I, I, t I told her this, but she's like my therapist. Mm -hmm. I go to her every week <laughs> and I tell her everything <laughs> so she knows a lot of things. Um, but I also love Betty. I love Aaron, Brenda, Professor Bota. Oh. That woman, I love, I love her. She's helped me so much. <laughs> um, Kamiya Sensei, Haruka Sensei, um, Yasuda Sensei. I love Yasuda. Um, I love everyone here, bro. <laughs> and shout out to them. All right, we're coming in on our last few rapids. 
Let, 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 let's crush through these. Yes. yes. <laughs> so, Eric. Yes. yes. Which individual corporation, country, or organization would you bankrupt if you had the chance? They don't exist no more. The Toys R Us. The plushie section? What? Mm. Going off. <laughs> oh, oh, the way the way I interpreted it was like as an evil question. Like, 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 like you would bankrupt them because you mad at them. Oh. Mm-hmm. Were you trying to rescue them? Yes. Oh, oh no. so you would buy them? Yeah, yeah, I would buy uh, them. <laughs> until, uh, okay. But but if all I right. would bankrupt. Uh, yeah, like literally take away all their money. Oh, mm. Chick-fil-A. Dang! <laughs> yes, I agree. So talk about overrated and they're not open on Sundays. And, you know. <laughs> Yo, he's been having this argument for years. No, really. And they just put them in all the throughway stops. When do people travel? Sunday. When can you not get food? Sunday. Like, come on. And, then, and that's not even touching the problematic parts of Chick-fil-A. Oh, too. oh yeah. That's, so, that's yes, I, I co-signed that. I would have gone with Walmart, but okay, okay. <laughs> Yeah, I'd go Walmart. Great value. Everyone knows I, I don't like great value. It's everywhere you turn in Walmart. I would say Walmart, like in New York. Walmart in Houston, please. <laughs> Why? Y'all got Bucky's. That is true. <laughs> but still. Uh, and then uh, karaoke. I think we should just yeah, jump, yeah. jump to that one, honestly. That's your favorite question. Yeah, yeah. So, but for the viewers, what is your go-to karaoke song, Notabon? Killing Me Softly by The Future. Yes, that's my that's my go to. Okay, mm-hmm. all right, mm-hmm. okay. Classic. I'm, I appreciate you for even knowing that song. <laughs> if I had to hear another version of either Taylor Swift or Future or Two Chains or I don't even know what kids listen to these days, but no. shout out to you for rapping the Fugees. <laughs> no, Fugees. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Awesome. A reward for all our loyal listeners who are still here. Appreciate y'all. Thank you. Thank you. Norma has brought us a poem to read. Please take it away. (laughs) If I can get it. There we go. (laughs) Barrio. Grew up on the streets of Harwin and Gessner, where the silence was filled with laughter, the honk of trucks and zooming of motorcycles, of the early morning cumbia and the harsh brush of the escoba in the stores I passed by. Another brown girl walking up and down my streets, sun burning my brown to black skin, scorching it and dizzying the curls on my head my hair swinging to the rhythms around me. The barrio I grew up knowing and loving where the mated for skinny perrito greeted me with a wag of a tail and a slimy tongue pan. The smallest puddle for my little amigo to drink from. Skinny and fragile, he shook with liveliness. That's how the barrio is. It's made of palos and lodo, but we are made of stone and tree trunks we don't fall so easily to the ground. At home in mi casita, there was no one. Mama was too busy cooking the tear-stinging broth. Dad always forgot my besito. He wasn't raised like that. Mis hermanitos asleep in our fortress of pillows and blankets. But my mated for skinny perrito never forgot. Here as a shovel like mine, birds could live on it. I never really cared for the ponytails slicked back by the petroleum jelly mama so carefully applied. Nor did I have a care for the world outside. I would stay encased in the four walls of the apartment, a book open at my feet learning about Pluto and Venus the carpet floor itching the back of my thighs. I would stay up at night with a ma, learning what t- four times four was, or how many apples Johnny had once Mary or Alex took two of them. Sometimes I would wake up to the smell of coffee. In the morning when the sun was out, Apa already dressed up in his working boots, his white sombrero by the door for him to grab, and I would quietly tell him la tabla de multiplicación, that I was learning even though I was only six. He would rub my head and laugh, take a sip of his coffee, and leave out the front door. 
I grew up to the smell of coffee, of listening to cumbias and bachatas on a Saturday, to the sounds of the escoba or a ma washing the plates, of a pat chaining his trailer to his troca. I learned to read and write because of my older brother, to speak eloquently by the way my mom speaks, hide my emotions and speak through my actions like a pa, but I learned to love like my perrito, mi amigo. In el barrio, no one gets left behind, except once the girl leaves the barrio for a town as small as her home. She wishes when she opened that door, a little white red-skinned amigo could just pant its heart out and wag its tail to remind her of the scorching sun and that the barrio could never leave. You brought me back. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, that is just, sometimes you hear words that really connect with you and your heart starts like shaking. That's what I'm feeling. I love the the imagery, dog. Great centering piece of the poem, and I'm going to read about that later. Even more when I see you, because <laughs> okay. I think I need to. Can you send it to me again? Yeah, <laughs> send it to me again, and I I, I want to read it again. That okay, was, that was wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> yep, and and everyone, please uh, give it up for Norma for a fantastic interview and for coming through on opportunity on the mic. <laughs> And that's our opportunity on the mic for today. Make sure to hit that subscribe button. Hit us with that five-star rating.